Hello, my beautiful beanies, and welcome to The Bean for Thursday. First with yesterday's news, I am Glenn ZB. We're looking back at Wednesday, and uh, the Auckland CEO has quit. Who knew that there was a CEO of Auckland? Um, Ian Foster. Uh, he was on the Mike Hosking Breakfast yesterday, stirring things up a bit about the all-black coaching. And then we've got some biscuit travesty to discuss Who's bringing us that? Oh, Marcus Lushes. What do you know? Uh, but before any of that, uh, the, the, so the, is there rampant post-cyclone crime going in, on in Hawke's Bay or not? It seems to be taking us days to get to the bottom of this. I don't know what's happening. All of the emergency communication equipment, including radios and patrol laptops, had been taken in the raid. And this is a life-saving club that has in fact been life-saving, that has been providing life-saving support for a community that is completely cut off from the rest of Auckland. As they said in their Facebook post, the radios are vital pieces of emergency equipment, allowing our lifeguards to communicate with each other during not only day-to-day operations, but time-critical rescues and emergency response to events like the recent Auckland floods and Cyclone Gabriel. There are mongrels out there, complete and utter mongrels. Is this business as usual? Is this, oh well, you just kind of expect this in crime, you know, this level of crime at any given time? I don't know. All I know is that when the police commissioner says we have a strong police presence in the Hawke's Bay region, There's no extreme lawlessness. It's basically just the same level of crime as you'd expect. That's not what the people are feeling. I don't know about you, but I don't actually find it super reassuring when they just come and say, don't worry, it's just the normal level of extreme lawlessness. Can we we just not have any level of lawlessness? That'd be good. Especially post-cyclone, when people are, you know, don't even have a... Two things to rub together. What is it that you rub together? I can't remember what you rub together. But anyway, you haven't got them because they've been nicked. Or have they? What's happening? But this denial of any issue smacks of a Jacinda type approach, you know, rejecting the assertion of everything. That didn't go so well for her. It became farcical, in fact. So I just wonder why Hipkins would go down the same track. Rejecting people's truths as fiction is not a good look. If they're experiencing it, how can it not be true? Just because a bureaucrat in an office somewhere doesn't have an official report of it on paper, does that mean it's not real? No. It smacks of the PPE scandal all over again and the rat tests and the flu jabs. Remember all that? Oh, yes, we've got plenty of those, we were told. They're everywhere. We've got heaps. And yet we had GP after GP after GP after health worker after health worker day after day telling us they had none. There was a massive shortage and the government was peddling bollocks. So we do have a trust issue here. Do we believe the government's official line that crime is down, there is no looting? Do we believe that that's true? Or do we believe the increasingly frustrated locals? And don't forget, in all of this, the mixed messaging we're getting here too from the government. You know, Police Minister Stuart Nash on the one hand asking gangs to pull their heads in. Then Justice Minister Kerry Allen calling on thieves to get their act together. All this... All the while, the PM and the Commissioner are saying, nothing to see here. There is no crime. So, you know, which is it? Yeah, I... uh, 
I do. St- I'm feeling a bit like I don't know if you've seen the story about the toxic train crash in Ohio in a place called East Palestine. Uh, it happened several weeks ago, but uh, people are, are claiming that they're suffering serious health ill health effects uh, from it. But you've got the government authorities and the train company and various. Uh, other figures saying no no it's all fine I don't know what you're talking about you're not sick even though people are sick it's, it's got a, it's got one of those sort of situations about it seems to happen from time to time doesn't it reality versus what the authorities actually want to be the reality um, meanwhile uh, in Auckland where reality isn't always a thing uh, with the people in power one of the people in power isn't in power anymore because he's quit. The Auckland CEO, gone halfway through the five-year term. What's happening there? Has he quit because he can't get on with Wayne Brown? Well, that's the million-dollar question we don't know. Um, the reason he's given for quitting is uh, personal reasons, and uh, that's a very broad sort of uh, reason. So we just have to take him at his word at this stage. Personal reasons can quit. That he pers- can, can include not getting on with Wayne Brown, though, couldn't it? Well, they can, they can, and um, I'm picking up this afternoon that there's been a bit of tension in that relationship on both sides, so possibly that's contributed to things as well. Bernard, is this good or bad for Auckland? Well, it's a big deal for Auckland. Um, Jim is the, I mean, he's the the chief executive of of the council, um, and the relationship between the chief executive and the mayor's a a very important one uh, at Auckland Transport. Um, they're currently without a chief executive. Um, the last chief executive left in June last year. His replacement was all due to come into uh, uh, into Auckland, I believe, from the UK. And um, when he couldn't get an interview with the mayor, he he pulled out. Bloody hell! Any skill shortage, eh? <laughs> Even at those levels. Um. That's that's uh, Bernard Orsman there. He's the New Zealand Herald's super city reporter. Yeah, that's a job apparently. I I don't I, I don't know why I'm making fun of it. At least you know we've got one as opposed to a CEO of New Zealand's largest city, which we don't seem to have one, and can't seem to find anybody who wants to do it either. Uh, right uh, yeah, now, another very important job in the country is All Black coach, of course. Ian Foster, is he still doing it? Does he want to do it? Is he going to continue to do it? Why is this so hard? I sort of felt for the guy. Look, I'm not a fan of his, but I sort of felt for him, to be honest. I I could totally understand where he was sort of coming from. It felt like an employee voicing his frustrations at his current boss. And I was thinking to myself after the interview, wow, this Mm. is actually the New Zealand head coach coming on radio it's like he had no backing from the New Zealand Rugby Union and he was pushed to a corner, and hence the reason he was out there isolated talking to Mike Hosking. And I just felt, why, why, why was this process, why is this out in the open? Like, why was this not dealt with internally? Mm. Um, and and it, to be honest, it falls on management. I don't know. And like you said, I, I remember that they did the same thing to Razor. Um, you know, I'm, I'm, I just hope that Razor buggers off elsewhere and coaches, um, I think he... There's, there's rumours that he wants to coach in France or coach the national team. Mm. Um, I just feel like the New Zealand Rugby Union has, 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 has done a balls up, to be honest, and mm. they've just left this out in the open. They're playing damn mind games, mental mind games. This is the year where 
we want to win the World Cup, you know? Mm. And, and I know the New Zealand rugby public, uh, we know what, you know, mm. as we both know. It was pretty surreal, though, wasn't it? And I, I agree with you. What I heard from, from Foster was a man who was hurt. He was a broken guy and, and wounded. Yeah, I couldn't tell whether he was... Um, this is the interview with Mike Hosking yesterday morning. I couldn't tell whether he was out of breath, whether he was on the verge of tears, um, still waking up. He certainly didn't sound like a guy capable of an inspiring halftime speech. Let's put it that way. But yeah, all of a sudden you've got this bad feeling about the rugby union that it's that things haven't perhaps moved on that much from back in the days of the senior players sitting at the back of the bus and not letting the junior players there. Yeah, grown men. Anyway, uh, we're going to finish up with some biscuit uh, controversy or a travesty or something. What's Marcus on about here? Marcus, I work at New World. I've just found out that Griffins have released a box of mini bags of cookies. They consist of wine biscuits, ginger nuts and crispies. And I know you've already had a whole night on them. Those are the three worst options. Oh, look, ditto to that. The crispy is an atrocious biscuit. The wine biscuit's a waste of time. And the ginger nut, people love it, but they don't really. Goodness gracious. Marcus, they only still make those biscuits because they sell, not because they fill up the shelves. Oh, yes, I know how retail works. But it saddens me that people could enjoy uh, the crispy biscuit. Everything about it's disgusting. The shape, the texture, the colour, the packet, the name, the font, every single thing causes me a bit of a mouth sick every time I see a crispy. Oh. Always hated them. And what's worse is you go somewhere and they offer you a crispy as though it's some sort of great secret delight, like, oh, and they try and include you, and they're saying, oh, you'll love one of these. I think, well, that's my least favorite. And I try and be gracious. Not my strong suit. I feel like they wouldn't keep making them if people weren't buying them, though. You know? They've been making them for a long time. Um, If you were the kind of person who was capable of eating a whole uh, packet of biscuits in one go... I mean, I don't know what kind of person would do that. (laughs) No idea what kind of person would do that. Uh, But if you were that kind of person, a a nice plain uh, wine biscuit or crispy, I don't even know if you can describe a ginger nut as being that plain, to be honest. It's got a bit of a bite. But that's a good packet of biscuits to just munch through, isn't it, in one go? I mean, if you were that kind of person, that's all I'm saying, if you were... I'm so a packet of, of all of them together and uh, I'm Glenn ZB wouldn't they all just taste end up tasting like ginger nuts or are they three di- I don't haven't seen these little packets I'm going to have to go and do some research just for your sake because I'm not that kind of person I'm Glenn ZB though and I'm the kind of person who will be back with another news talk ZB tomorrow I hope you're the kind of person who will join me then 
This week on The Parenting Hangover, we have a very special guest, Hamish Blake of Hamish and Andy fame of the podcast, How Other Dads Dad is our guest on the podcast. He's like a dad that I definitely idolise. I'm really excited for this. Here I am freaking out about what we're going to talk about, and then we both just agreed like a minute before it started, just banter to him like he's a regular dad, and that's what we did, and he's just a legendary dad, so I'm, I'm stoked for you guys to hear this one. The Parenting Hangover with Clinton Jordan. New episodes every Thursday on iHeartRadio or wherever you get your podcasts.